welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, bro, it's always a, a bittersweet part of the year right after the end of the college football regular season, especially when Penn State's not playing in one of the championship games. It's bittersweet because, of course, we wish we were still playing uh, for a championship. We wish we were still relevant. On the other hand, you know what? My uh, my Saturdays have all of a sudden become a lot more uh, wide open, I would say. Um, Emotionally uh, speaking? That's exact. Yes, schedule wise, I'm still <laughs> extremely busy, but yeah. emotionally, right? uh, <laughs> well, that works. you know, and uh, you know, you're. It's funny, you're you're in that mode of of starting to think about you know where you are as a program leading into the future, and um, there, there's always something kind of enjoyable about that, especially when you can end on a high note like Penn State did against Michigan State. Um, you know, but you know, what are you looking forward to in the next uh, month or so as we kind of sit between Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving and the Christmas holiday, both with football or otherwise. Um, well, like I said, I'm I'm moving this week, so this weekend of conference championship games, I'm my move-in date is December first, so I will be in the act of setting up a new home. Um, be in the act of setting up your televisions. Correct. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, it's a matter of how many TVs Kate, I will put be- that over there, please. Uh, don't stand in front of the TV while you do it. <laughs> I did hire I did hire movers for the big furniture, fortunately. Um, but yeah, getting this new T. I mean, I've got a 77 inch TV and a 65 inch TV. That 77 is going to be tricky um, to to take off the wall and um, pack up. Uh, fortunately, I still have the manufacturer's boxes for both. But like, if either of those TVs break on my way up, you know my my move five miles east, I will be ticked off. <laughs> Fortunately, the big TV, the 77-incher, um, I bought it two years ago, and it's on like a five-year uh, extended warranty. If I break it, uh, I get a full credit for like four grand to buy a new one, thankfully. Oh, wow. That's that's that's, uh, the, that's what paying for a new, an extended uh, warranty uh, pay, give, you know, gives you the opportunity to. Well, it should be a to. piece of cake to get it off the wall. Just take a hammer and... Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, why am I so concerned about moving this delicately if I just ha- get a credit for a brand new television that's two years newer? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's actually not a bad thought. Maybe I'll consider that. <laughs> uh, maybe we should stop the recording here so you don't get uh, yeah, they, you know, they're, prosecuted they're not listening. I don't care. for insurance fraud. <laughs> best Buy, uh, give it your best try to come and find me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, hey, good luck with that move, man. Um, you know, sorry, not sorry that I'm yeah, not there uh, to and, help and, you and, out. Well, beyond that, I'm just rooting for the, the correct upsets for Penn State's, uh, you know, whatever we, we need, like what Bama losing, Texas losing. I don't know. We need, we need teams losing for us to slot into some higher seeds for a, a New Year's six bowl bid that, yeah, do, that be... doesn't pair us with Tulane. Hopefully uh, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up later in the episode. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, this is uh moving into a, a busy season and uh, church life, you know, getting into the, the holidays with uh, all of those things going on. I've got events going on every weekend and all that kind of thing. Um, not to mention planning for Christmas Eve services and whatnot. Um, that's a good time to, to make a little bit of a transition, but um, we're not done yet here at Blue and White Brothers. Uh, of course, we've got this episode um, 
uh, and a few others on on their heels. Um, we have a mailbag for you today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the coaching carousel, um, and then we're going to do a modified by the numbers. You know, we we got to review what happened last week, but um, we won't have an upcoming game. We'll we'll save the bowl game for later. But uh, Joel's going to come and share a couple of other numbers with us, and uh, we'll see how that goes. And then um, we're going to preview those championship games as we get into the episode. Remind everyone to uh, subscribe or follow the podcast, share with your Penn State friends, write us a review, give us a rating, and send an email to the mailbag. Uh, now that the season's over, maybe you have a, a, a year in review kind of mailbag question or some thoughts about um, you know the future, uh, just send us that mailbag, whatever is on your mind. Uh, we'd love to engage with you at a future episode, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. And speaking of, let's go ahead and open the mailbag. Mailbag time. Uh, like, to, like, like the way Brian Kelly says, family. And I just noticed that you say time, mailbag time, kind of the same way that Brian Kelly says family. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? That's not my voice. I hired a voice actor for oh, that part. Oh, okay. That was great. You hired Brian Kelly to say time. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> the secret's out. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> he said I could use his voice as long as I didn't reveal it was him. And uh, you didn't tell me that that was the plan, so I've just unearthed, uh, you know, the, the person behind the, behind the problem. <laughs> well, we've got a couple of entries today. Um, we'll start with Sue uh, Rapine. Uh, Sue, thanks for writing in. And she says this. Well, guys, the college football season is now coming to an end. The Michigan State left me feeling sad for what might have been, but excited for the future. I already can't wait for the 2024 season. I'll move on to wrestling and basketball, but they are four poor substitutes for football. I will now spend the next nine months waiting for football to begin again. So I'm wondering if you two have any recommendations for entertaining podcasts to fill the time between now and September. Until we reconnect next season, we are Penn State. Um, so what I'll say is, yeah, you know, I'll definitely move on to wrestling and basketball too. Andy is a massive Penn State basketball fan. Um, <laughs> and that's what he'll be watching. Uh, yeah, I say, I say that tongue cheek. Andy refuses to, to get into Penn State basketball. We just uh, started the season 4-0, by the way. And, and yeah, even how's though, that even though we were started 4-0, we couldn't get Andy to watch a game. Now we have lost, I think, the last four since that, um, including <laughs> exactly. to my Mike Rhodes, exactly former what? team VCU, oh <laughs> even though Mike Rhodes took all of a VCU's best players with him to Penn State and VCU just beat Penn State. It's not a great start to the Mike Rhodes. Uh, You're making my point. Obviously making your point. But, you know, we are number one in wrestling. That will, I do enjoy watching Penn State wrestling, so I will tune into that. Um yeah, I don't really get into the basketball stuff, uh, you know, until March Madness hits, and then it's a lot of fun. Um, but as yeah, far as winter is a low interest sports season for me, I mean, especially, I, I definitely become a an NFL like heavier yeah, fan, I, and course. I'm a Pittsburgh fan, and you're a Ravens fan. And the Ravens just had a, you know, kind of a boring win last night, but it was on the yeah. road. It was, it was a win. A, it was a win on the road. Now, you know, so as far as podcasts listening you know i 
I I definitely digest the majority of sport like college football podcasts, and I digest them over the course of my su- spring and summer. You know, leading into these seasons, and um, so in the off season, I don't do a ton of podcast listening. I have to be, I have to confess. Um, but one podcast that I definitely yearly always go back to is hardcore history. Oh yes. Um and now he's very slow to put out new episodes at least on Apple Podcasts and and whatever's for free. I mean he only does like two a year. Well, the, the he has a a very vast library though. Yes. And you can go pay not a lot of money like for a dollar an episode. Very very interesting large large long um, format. Long format. We're talking like 4 hours an episode probably on average. Um and some some Episodes are part of like a four, five, and six series, uh, like you know, uh, whatever it is he's talking about. Like for example, he has a six episode series on um, the like World War One. It's called Blueprint for Armageddon. That's a really good one. There's one about the the um, the Ost Front, which is the the Eastern Front, um, or you know, Russian Western Front, or Germans Eastern Front. There's some really cool topics he discusses, including um, King of Kings, which is a three part series on Xerxes and like the various different uh, rulers of Persia. Yeah, um, just an incredible. Inc- I mean. Very, very knowledgeable, extremely entertaining, talks about things that you've never really thought about or heard about. And uh, yeah, I, Tom and I What's the both one listen to it. That's post uh, Protestant Reformation, or it's like during the Protestant Reformation, that's a one part, uh, it's a one part series. You know, it's one a one episode thing. It's about what's that city in? Uh, yeah, Munster. Thank you very much, Joel Munster. But what's the episode called? I forget what it's called. Um, Herman but, Munster. No, that Munster Germany basically. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Was a, a. It's the siege of Munster. I. That's not what the episode's called. But um, regardless, it is about. Um, a very, very, I won't even give it away, a very intriguing aspect of the Protestant Res- Re- Reformation um, where a city yeah, I was learned totally under in, under like z- a zealot rule. That Yeah, like, I learned about that in seminary. Yeah. It was the, uh, it was the radical reformation and, yes. and, and these people just, uh, I mean, the, the human misery that was enacted on this. Yeah. Was just I mean, it's incredible. called hardcore history for a reason. And Dan Carlin is the host and he has a very good, um, you know, research team and they go prophets of doom. Thank you, Joel, for, for giving us that prophets of doom. Um, that's the name of the monster episode. Uh, but you can go and get these, uh, for a very, very cheap cost and a ton of information. Um, uh, that's really enthralling to listen to. And yeah, for the what- current, by the way, the current, um, series is twilight of the S here, which yeah. is about the Vikings. Yep. Yep. And so, I think, does he still offer, um, the, uh, supernova? What's it called? Um, yeah, Supernova of the East. Yeah, Supernova of the East, which is about the Japanese Empire, how it came to be, and how and leading in, in the in, Pacific uh, in yeah, World War Two. In yeah, World War, leading, it's, all pre, it's pre World War Two, leading in and then through incredible. World War II. It's incredible stuff. It so you you have hours and hours of listening uh, enjoyment if you like history, and you can um, pick your topic if you just want to pay just a small, you know, a, yeah, a, a lot of nominal like, fee. Yeah, the last like ten episodes are free on Apple Podcasts, and then yeah. and then you got to go and and pay for it. But anyway. 
Um, yeah, I, I listen to um, Revisionist History as well, which is not really a history podcast, but, um, you know, it's uh, Malcolm Gladwell. He kind of takes a look at some interesting things and, and sort of uh, takes a different perspective maybe um, than... Uh, you know, it's not really revising history in the way that that term was used, you know, maybe 20 years ago as like a, a pejorative. Um, but he's taking sort of like a closer look at some interesting facts and factoids. I, I enjoy listening to him and he's got some interesting things and, and occasionally have some interesting guests that he interviews. Um, that's another one I listen to. But uh, for me, probably the most of what I'm going to be doing is crossing my fingers that the Hollywood strike allows being over yeah. allows, you know, some decent yeah. content to start pumping out again because that's you know usually those nine months i'm watching uh tv shows and they did and, come to a resolution i i heard yeah they did but it's gonna yeah. be a little while before that's you get true. new new episodes so hopefully that gets pumping again and just in time uh for the nfl season to be over but uh i, I just wanted to say sue we're not done with the blue and white brothers season yeah yet. not yet like we'll, get, we'll give you some more content but you know don't unfollow us yet because uh, we, we've got some episodes coming up um, next week after the um, you know the college football playoff and the bowls are set. We'll have an episode and talk about that and Penn State's draw, and then we'll have uh, a couple of episodes after Christmas leading up to the bowl game, and then we'll have our final episode after the bowl game. So we got at least four, maybe five uh, Blue and White Brothers episodes between now and the end of the of the season. So. So don't abandon us just yet. Hang in there. Um, we appreciate you, though. Thank you for writing in, Sue, and thank you for being a, a follower of the podcast. All right, bro. Um, we also have a, a write-in from Rudy Glocker, a true friend of the podcast, Rudy Glocker. Rudy, thanks for writing in. Um, he's got a couple of questions for us. Um, I'm not going to read all of them. But I am going to combine two of them here, and then if you want to look them over and you want to ask me one or two of them, that's fine too. But um, two I'm going to combine. He He's talking about the gap that we have between us and the next teams and sort of, you know, not quite meeting the mark this season. So um, here's your question. Uh, Rudy says, over the past two seasons, Penn State has won all of the games they, quote, should win and lost the games they, quote, should lose. What do you think it will take to get over the hump to start winning some of the games they, quote, should lose? And then on the heels of that, um, he asks, do you think the gap between Penn State and Ohio State slash Michigan is a talent gap, a coaching gap, or both? And how close is Penn State to bridging the gap in your view? Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, this is this is the question. It's the question. Isn't this it? is the question. Um, so, how do you get over the hump? What's the nature of the gap? How do we close it? Okay, we get over the hump by wielding a quarterback that doesn't lose games. Yeah. That's what that I mean. I mean, that's that's with what's already in place, in my opinion, which is a championship caliber defense. Now we're going to lose some guys, but I, if Manny sticks around, which I think he will. And by the way, little tidbit, he was snubbed for becoming a finalist for the Broyles award. He's not, no, not, he was, a, he just, just came out today that he's not How a is finalist. That even possible? I don't know. Um, but if Manny sticks around, I'm starting to feel like he might stick around. I think there's more, to, anything could come along in the next and month the or two. The current best openings um, are already filled. Yeah, to this to this 
point at this moment at this yeah so it feels like Manny could stick around and I think you know if he would be wise to given the, the openings that are there and I think that Franklin uh, has the correct alignment in the university to be able to pay him to stick around too um so let's just say that that we're still good on the defensive front we need an offensive coordinator that unlocks a five-star arm that's what yeah, we need and and absolutely. and and I know that it's going to take a significant um, commitment from like the wide receiver room to to get to help get us there. But you know, I think that that a good offensive coordinator schemes for ways to get these guys who you know we were winning with a three star quarterback in you know uh, in Trace McSorley. So like. If a three-star quarterback can do wonders with, you know, some four-star wide receivers, I would think that a five-star quarterback can do some wonders with some four-star wide receivers. You know, you just have to scheme it correctly and 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 teach this quarterback how to how to lead a team. And 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 this is a great learning year. You know, the ups and downs of Aller this year are are, are well documented. Um, but some of the best quarterbacks in Penn State history had really up and down careers prior to their breakout seasons. I mean, Todd Blackledge even highlighted during the Michigan State game that he had one year where he had seven touchdown passes and 13 interceptions. I mean, you can oh, wow. go and look at Kerry Collins' stats before his 94 year. You would have never seen this, never seen his 94 year coming. All right. So. The correct offensive scheme and the correct offensive play calling and the the right amount of experience, you know, which Aller now has. Yeah, I think I think it's possible that we can see the gap close. And and even though Franklin said this year that the talent gap we have closed it, he obviously didn't deliver on that notion. Um, we do have talent. We do have talent in in the right places. I think it's just about unlocking things properly. That yours is just really wasn't able to unlock at all, at all. We had a true dink and dunk offense through ten games. Yeah, it's just it's dink and dunk in the passing game. Dink and dunk in the running game. It's head scratching when you think about like you know the Oklahoma State offenses he ran with uh, Mason Rudolph and the the gaudy numbers that were put up and the long downfield passing that I remember I remember watching Mason Rudolph complete yeah. incredible passes downfield he like, has regressed since those days I mean as a, as a play caller as, and yeah. offensive schemer I, yeah. I, I think that's that's really so so as far as um it, it's not really so much a talent gap it, it's been a coaching gap in unlocking the talent is my, yeah I the way I that. look at it and and a part of that in my opinion, is Franklin finding the right coach that helps Franklin get out of his team's way? Yeah. You know, like you, what, you mentioned in the last podcast, Joe Moorhead, and I think that's part of what Moorhead did. Yeah. You know, that like when he came in, like Franklin kind of got out of his way. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the two of them really worked well together um, to, to make the magic happen. We didn't and, have the blue just, chip ratio in 2016 the way we do now. You know, if we had had some of the talent and depth that we have now on that 2016 team, I'm convinced we we go 11, at least 11 wins in, in 16 yeah. or 17 if we have this level of talent. On, and, and of course, on defense, too, because yeah. one of our uh, problems line, in 2016 was our defense. The line on both sides of the ball, yeah. for sure. Um, you, you know, I, the one thing I would say it, to to, the, to add to that, uh, I guess I have two things I want to add to that. 
number one, you mentioned sort of as an aside, the wide receiver room. And yes, I think if you unlock the scheme properly, our current wide receivers are probably just fine. But dude, I think in today's day and age to have a game breaking wide receiver. Yeah, I was just going to say this is so significant. And we just, you know, uh, you know, maybe these guys are on the team already and we just haven't seen them produce, but to have, you know, like, uh, who's the guy from Pitt that went to USC? Was that Jordan Addison? Yeah. And, and Keon Coleman, yeah, who's right down at, down at uh, Florida state now. Uh, and of course, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. To have, and the guys that Alabama seems to have perennially, you know, to, to have someone on the roster like that who can take over a game if a great quarterback can put the ball in the area. We we just haven't seen someone like that for a, a number of years. And to me, that's a major, major talent gap issue. Now, can you scheme around that? Yes. But to have that kind of weapon is huge. And then I'll just say, like, it's interesting with Drew Aller, and it was his first year, but... It, <clears throat> There, there seems to be perhaps, and I don't know if it's because of Drew or because of the way the coaches treated him, but perhaps just a little bit of a lack of on-field leadership. And you think about some of the great quarterbacks these days, whether it's in the NFL or you know uh, on the in the college game, they, they are gamers. You know, these are competitors that like rally the team and raise the level of the play of the team all around them. You know, you think about Joe Burrow, even when he was at LSU, you think about Josh Allen, you think about, you know, Tom Brady or Trevor Lawrence, you know, think about even, you know, Caleb Williams. He's had a tough season this year, but like when he's on the field, like guys are playing for him. Yeah. You know, well, he not well, only has they don't, talent, they don't but get there without experience though. It's I and I'm not saying I don't know why it wasn't there this year. He's a first year starter. Yeah, but I think you know if we're going to have a championship caliber year, we you know Drew's got to have to improve from a from performance standpoint uh, in terms of statistics and and completing passes and His downfield passes. His consistency needs to go way up. His consistency needs way to go up. up. But I think in addition to that. In addition to that, you got to have a guy that you can turn to and say, hey, Drew, go win us this game. And you know, he's got the moxie and he's got the guys behind him, you know, because he's out ahead leading the team. I, I That's a step that I think Drew might need to take if we're really going to get to that next level. Yeah. So, so this is a, a, a multi-layered conversation in a lot of ways, and it, it can be talked about from a dozen different angles. One thing I'll, I'll say is you're not wrong about the wide receiver position. Um, Franklin last year going into the offseason, he talked openly about how he needed to get a, a, a you know, a game-changing defensive lineman and a game-changing wide receiver. We got neither of those. Now, we did right. get Cephas in the portal, but we didn't get any game-changing defensive lineman. Now, fortunately, our defensive line played lights out, and, and fortunately for us, you know, in a couple of portals, Prior, we got a guy named Chop Robinson who was oh, a five yeah. star that has been playing like a five star. Now, but but when it comes to the portal this year or recruiting, you know, this year, Franklin needs to go get a an elite wide receiver. He talked about 
alignment and being aggressive going you know coming after the post game uh in the post game presser he talked about having alignment and with the university and being aggressive and getting the pieces that that he needs and i think he's talking about his need from last year which is getting a wide receiver totally um and i don't know if you if you're capable of getting that i don't know if if anyone's gonna want to come but but at least you displayed something on you know the offensive side against michigan state that you can be like hey listen you know drew aller is getting there and we think this next year we can really you know cut him loose with the, the right offensive coordinator but here's what's really you know it needs to happen i think from a coaching side is both franklin and if he can get a wide receiver the wide receiver coach they the he needs to get um, f- five-star recruits to live up to their five-star billing. You know, yes, absolutely. In Franklin's entire career, in my estimation, he has only had one five-star recruit live up to their five-star billing, and that's been Micah Parsons. And we only got one full starting season with Micah Parsons. So that's a bummer, but like the list, <laughs> you go down the list in terms of, and I'm not going to list these in any, um, you know, particular order or anything like that, but just, these are some notable five stars under Franklin's watch. And some, most of them are recruited by him, but, uh, but Hackenberg will be one that I toss in here that just, you know, didn't make the cut. Um, you know, Singleton to me hasn't quite lived up to his five star billing, even though he's looked look great in his freshman year. But then you have Justin Shorter, wide receiver, total bust. Ricky Slade, running back, total bust. Linebacker Brandon Smith, to me, bust. Um, and Christian Hackenberg, to me, bust. Uh, Miles Sanders didn't quite do enough as far as a five star billing. He only had one starting season at Penn State. Uh, Chur- Curtis Jacobs, while being very good, has not been like of the elite, elite five star. Um, uh, you know, linebackers. Dan- Danny Dennis Sutton, or excuse me, denied Dennis Sutton. We haven't quite seen it. The jury's out. Um, you know, Michael Mennett was a five-star. To me, he didn't quite do enough. Lamont Wade, to me, he didn't do enough. D- defensive end, Shane Simmons, to me, he was a bust. Obviously, a lot of injuries in his career. And then a guy we're going to, you know, jury's still out on is offensive lineman Je- Jevin Williams. We will, the jury is out on him. We will see. But, I mean, if you... And to say nothing of Drew Aller. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about. We need to unlock Drew Aller's five-star yeah. talent yeah. and bring in some uh, a four- or five-star you know, talent that can play up to that level as a dominant wide receiver. We just haven't seen it. You know, Franklin's very good at getting the most out of three and four stars that are kind of like underrated four stars. But in terms of like high, like Keandre Lambert-Smith was a high four-star. And I think he was the best recruit in his class, at least uh, on the offensive side of the ball when he came in. Um, And he just hasn't really lived up, by and large, uh, to that billing. Um, Look, um, you know, Penn State is clearly, demonstrably, one score beneath the top yes, teams yes, in the country. Yes, we're within striking range of, of these two teams, both so, these last years. So in, to in my your opinion. point, to your point, you know, one or two five stars who actually live up to their, you know, elite. A Marvin Harrison Jr. can change the game. Absolutely. As As he did. As he did JJ McCarthy, uh, you know, is a, you know, he only threw eight passes, but those seven that he completed against us were, you know, big passes. Yeah. So, So, well, um, Hey Rudy, thanks so much for writing in. Um, appreciate you, uh, getting the conversation going and, um, we're going to follow that line of inquiry with a mailbag from Cody. Um, Cody from Pittsburgh says this, um, 
It's difficult to find any complaints with what we saw Friday. On and four, yet at four. here he is, and he will complain. <laughs> he goes on to say that was the most complete. <laughs> that was the most complete team we have seen all year by far. I think the biggest debate that's occurring among the fan base is whether or not a ten and two record is quote unquote good. I think it's very commendable and speaks to Franklin's ability to get everyone rowing in the same direction as a CEO type leader. But this year feels like a missed opportunity overall. And it has me wondering, aside from the four undefeated teams, how would you assess overall program satisfaction for those teams ranked 5 through 15 from a fan perspective? Are they overachieving, meeting expectations, or below? Basically, how do we measure up against other schools who are in the 5 to 15 range? I will say that, yes, I mean, Cody, you are correct. Like, this is an underperforming team due to the expectations, both placed on them, like, from internal expectations. The team talked openly about winning a Big Ten and going to play for a CFP leading into the season. They they knew players were coming back. Olu Fashionu, like, they, that was the goal. They knew. We all know what their goal was. All right? But... You know, if you're Neil Brown and West Virginia, eight and four is, you know, an incredible year for them. And they thought they were going to be firing their coach, but 10 and two for Penn State feels sort of hollow, you know. But, but we've also been, you know, we lived through the 2000 through 2004 seasons where we lost four out of five of those seasons were losing seasons. And in that time, in that dark age of Penn State football, coming off of a great year, you know, great decade in the 90s, an even better decade in the 80s, Penn State was, you know, on the cusp of maybe greatness going into the 2000s, and we did a full face flop. All right, <laughs> yeah, full full face flop, and and our recruiting was terrible, and our just uh, our offense was just disgusting, and defense was just allowing all kinds of you know egregious you know losses to poor teams, but you know at that point in time when we had four losing seasons in five years, how would like <laughs> what would you have done to take five 10 plus winning seasons out of the last seven? That's what, that's what Franklin has going for him right yeah, now. It's a great point. Five 10 plus winning seasons over the last seven seasons. And those I, two were COVID year and COVID, you know, fallout, uh, fallout year, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean the consistency and in that is year good. we had that bad year, 2021, we were ranked as high as what fourth or third or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So, you know, at but, least we but were to, there, you know, to Cody's question, you know, it's interesting looking at the teams currently in the top, you know, five to 15 range. And you got some teams that are pretty excited about where they are um, playing in their conference championship games, one loss, Oregon and one loss, Texas, mm-hmm. you know, they got to be feeling pretty good. They have a chance to potentially be a, one loss team to, to make the country, you know, college football playoff. And, you know, their only loss, um, in, in both of those cases were to solid teams, Oregon to undefeated Washington and Texas to a, a two loss Oklahoma. Now sandwiched between them, you've got, uh, some one loss teams that are probably feeling kind of annoyed at their season. Uh, number six, Ohio state, lost to Michigan for the third straight year, you know, how much Penn state would kill to have just one loss right now. If we had beat one of those two teams, like we would have, by the way, we didn't mention this, bro. If we had beat Michigan, we would be playing for the college, uh, for the 
Big Ten Championship yeah. game. Yeah, because and of the tiebreakers. A rematch. Because yeah, of the tiebreakers. Tie tie I mean, it, it's a missed opportunity. Andy Cody is right. It is a absolute glaring missed opportunity that you couldn't, over the course of the first half of the season, figure out how to get your offense to be even we, marginally. We just needed to get decent. nine points. Nine points against Michigan. That, yeah. You know, and a totally inept offensive performance. Home game, uh, home game ineptitude. Uh, just couldn't get it done. I mean, that's what. My that's why goodness. you have a fired OC. I, I, so we, we get Absolutely. it. Like, that's he was why fired not, the very not next getting game. it done. Not getting it I'm done. I'm just saying, like, at, at the end, now that the season's at an end, when you see what happened to the Big Ten West and you see what happened in the Big Ten East, well, was, if, if we had beat Michigan, yeah. we would be in that game. But meanwhile, you've got Ohio State sitting at home, a one-loss Ohio State, and they're deeply disappointed. I and mean, they still have a 50% chance of making the playoff, according to FPI, which has Penn State ranked fourth. By the Whatever. way, <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I listen. hear what you're saying, but if there was ever a year, of course, that- Ohio State, if they got in like they did last year, they will be thrilled, and and you know their their glumness will be over, and hey, maybe they'll get a rematch against Michigan or something like that. Do you uh, think me- that, that that how things went for them last year play in or play out to 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 them getting in again this year? No, Do you think it plays question. a role have, at all? I have no idea, personally. I, I I just I until the the conference championship games are over I I don't really know I yeah, would fair. I I feel like Ohio State got their shot as a non-conference champion last year I would be surprised unless things really go haywire especially the, since now the that ESPN doesn't have a Big Ten contract to work with and anyway. it's a CFP run by ESPN well yeah anyway. I don't know man I think it bet I bet it does play a role here's what I'll, I'll, here's what I'll say here's what I'll say Andy yeah if Go there ahead. was ever a year, and, and, and all the years leading up to this year, everybody's like, you know, hey, nobody's good outside of the top four because, you know, the Bamas, the Oklahomas, and the Clemsons dominated, yeah. Yeah. and Ohio State, yeah. throw them in there, dominated the being the top four teams. If there was ever a year to expand oh, early, this, this oh, is totally, the man. year to have a 12-team totally. playoff. I, I, mean, I mean, even Penn State, their two losses were to teams that are, you know, up until last week were ranked you know, number two and number three in the country. So like Penn state has definitely has a shot. Hey, guess what? If you figure out your offense in time for the playoff, like you could go, cause you got a championship I mean, caliber. Uh, defense. I mean, this is like, if you, I mean that, that Michigan state offensive performance, if it was 12 team playoff, like, Oh boy, like what can we do against, you know, the first round? Are we possibly slotting in for, I don't think we would be a home home team, but like, you know, maybe the ranking would be different if like, 12 teams were ranked differently with the idea that 12 of these teams are getting into the playoff. You know, I don't know. You maybe you look maybe you discern a little differently about what de- what a championship caliber defense does for a team, you know? Like voting would could be different. I think. Oh, definitely. You know, definitely. because matchups, like, I don't know. Yeah. The, Defense any, yeah. travels, right? Yeah, Defense wins championships. So, 100%. Uh, you know, so anyway, I, I think to Cody's point, like there are teams above us that are feeling great and there are teams above us that are feeling crummy. And the same could be said for teams behind us. Um, but I, I also think, you know, some perspective is warranted. You mentioned West Virginia, who's feeling great at eight and four, but how about Clemson who's sitting at eight and four, not ranked Tennessee sitting at eight and four, not ranked Wisconsin, seven and five USC, seven and five Auburn, six and six, Florida, five and seven, all traditional powers who had, 
you know, designs on a really good season and, and, you know, rightfully had thoughts that they could win perhaps their division or their conference or get into the playoff. And they all have had miserable seasons. And how good is Penn State feeling to be having their second straight 10 win season, uh, a top 10 ranking and a chance to go to a second straight New Year's Six Bowl? You know, we, we don't want to lose sight of that. And, you know, again, if this is next year and we're sitting where we are, we got to be feeling really good because the chances that we go to, you know, that um, the invitational tournament with with 12 teams are very, very high. And- I mean, I, honestly, I, I think that for as as good as we feel about 10 and 2 going into the 12 team playoff, I feel like it's kind of negated by the teams that are coming in. <laughs> To the conference, it's well, like again. How does that play out when you only have four power conferences instead of five? You know, and they're talking about reorganizing. I mean, it's still it, so twelve. You, it's still twelve. It's still twelve it, teams. It's still twelve teams. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, when those yeah, they are going to. they are going to reorganize it to like when those strongest teams go into the SEC and the Big Ten. It changes, you know, what a nine-win or a ten-win season looks like yeah. because of the strength of the conference you're playing. It, it's it's unclear, but even so, a ten-win season next year, it, you know, is almost I would think a lock to get us in. Here, here's what's interesting to me. I, I mean, you know, we 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 keep comparing ourselves to the Ohio State and Michigan's of the Big Ten, which rightly so because we're sitting right below them. But we have been in a tier all by ourselves. Yeah, below them. There has not been a team vying for that same, like, hey, we're just barely below yeah, these two I, and other And I think schools. right now, to your point, USC, Washington, and Oregon are probably, well, you know, just above us or just behind us, right? I, I in terms would say of they're, they're, they're coming in with the idea that they're going to be on our level, if yeah. not vying for... That's I, so, competition so, we haven't here, had But recently. here's what's an interesting thought, Andy, is that, like, for as much as we say... Franklin wins the offseason. I don't think there's a, like to to date this will be his most important offseason for a number of reasons. Um and and I think that part of that to me is that you know we, we said that like hey, Ohio State was gettable this year. Ohio State might end up being even more gettable next year. Michigan you know, like might McCor- end up being... M- Michigan's losing a ton of seniors, including... Of course, we won't play like, them, but still. Right. Like, well, in terms of strength of the well, conference. Well, we might right? play them if we're going to play for a Big Ten title. True, true. Okay, I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's not like it's a, for- a given that we're not going to play them. Um, the point is that if, you know, Franklin has certainly kept us at this point in the pecking order that, like, we are in position to make a move. Like yes. we're we're and this offseason could be make or break for remaining in that position. I mean, to make it, a move. Very good point. I mean, imagine if we had gotten a game-breaking wide receiver in the portal this past year. How different would things have now? Would Mike Yersich had have used the, the the talent? Maybe, maybe not. But like. That's, you why know, I'm t- that's exactly why I'm saying that this offseason ma- is yeah. as important as any ever in the Franklin era. And this is the most important hire in the Franklin era to date. I mean, All Drew right. Aller's second full starting season, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen's third full starting season, you know, the defense coming back with, uh, you know, a solid core and some extremely high level talent. Manny Diaz hopefully sticking around for his third who full season. Who is Franklin going to convince to come back this year who, who you know, might not 
be on the radar. That's that. Those are questions I have. I mean, Who's I think Dante Cephas, Keandre Lambert Smith are two big question marks. They're both eligible yeah. um, going forward. I, you know, I don't know if any of the defensive is, backs is, is Johnny Dixon available to come back. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, or even Trey, our our third running back, Trey, is he Trey able, Potts? I mean, is he able to come back? To me, he's a huge. By the way, he ripped off a twenty-eight yard yeah, run yeah, yeah. in that Michigan State yeah. game. You know, um, he. he uh, Times he looked like the second best back on the team this year when when Nick Nick Singleton was really uh, it will struggling. Just be, it'll just be intriguing to me who goes and who stays. I think a, a, our offensive line is a big question. I mean, fashion is obviously gone. Um, um, Ke- you know, Caden, Caden Wallace is, I believe, gone. You know, this but we got like you said, Jevin Williams coming in a five. Alex star. Bert- Birchmeyer, who's also you a, know a, some strong talent star. coming in. Can they gel the way they need to? And then, um, you know, I, I it's a good question. I mean, I, I we're going to lose some really talented pieces, but we're going to have some really strong pieces remaining. And it'll it'll be a good year for Penn State if we can get a couple of those pieces that we're missing. And um, certainly, the offensive coordinator is going to be a big big deal. Well, Absolutely. look. Um, Cody, thanks for that question. Uh, uh, great write-in. It's um, you know we're we're in the middle, man. And um, maybe next year, maybe next year <laughs> will be our year. <laughs> the promise of next year will always be there, undefeated right. forever. All right. Well, um, with that, let's close the mailbag and uh, invite Joel Bettner to come in so we can go by the numbers. Not alert. Buy the numbers. Not alert. By the numbers. By the numbers. <laughs> well, Joel, uh, welcome back. I'm glad to have you for uh, a final by the numbers of the regular season. And, um, you know, we have some results from last week to discuss. I know Tom was trying furiously to come back from the uh, huge lead I had uh, earned over the course of the season. And, um, you know, I guess you have a couple of interesting uh, numbers for us to think about after we go over the results. So uh, why don't you jump in for us? I'm going to start off 21 pound turkey. That's what you ate, 21 pounds? We had a 21-pound turkey this year, and I am just mowing through it. Wow. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> I, I had Thanksgiving at my sister's house, and I came back with no turkey. That was a, was a major uh, major strategic error on my part, not to ask for a little leftover turkey. So uh, I'm thinking about what I can do about that uh, here between now and Christmas, because I'm missing those leftovers. Oh, man. It's been glorious. Now, when we left off... Uh, Andy was at six wins on the season. Tom was at four. This is Tom is in a do or die situation here. He is in, he right. is in a playoff. Um, I'm a, listen. I'm a miracle that I've hung on to this point <laughs> to be able to make a move and make I'm, a play at least in the final week to to, to possibly give myself. I'm in like a do or die like elimination week is what this is for me. I'm apparently um, I'm apparently let off the gas here a little bit, so I'm no. disappointed with myself. But what do we got, Joel? Most of us have go- gas coming out of I'm Thanksgiving gonna, weekend. <laughs> I'm going to go over the questions that you both went with the same answer with first, yeah, sure, and then yeah. I'll get to the ones where where Tom has a chance to get ahead or Andy has a chance to put him out of his misery. So, <laughs> start off with: Will Bo take a snap in the first half? You guys both thought he would. He did not take a snap in the first half. Are you sure about that? I looked it up. I double-checked it. 
Wow. I, no, I could have no sworn he did. in the first. Took it in the third. If anyone's that produced refuting evidence, he's more than welcome. I mean, <laughs> but you would have the same Whatever. point. It, anyway. it was a wash either way. Yeah, like. it's true. It's true. It's irrelevant to the to the winning or losing of the question. Andy. Now, here's, here's two exciting stats from the game. Um, so OSU and Michigan, or I'm OSU had uh, two and a half sacks against Michigan State. I asked if we would be over or under two and a half sacks. We, you both said over, and we were emphatically over with yeah. seven glorious sacks. It was incredible. <laughs> it, was, it was a sight to behold. And then Indiana and OSU both had six tackles for losses against Michigan State. I asked, would we be over or under six and a half tackles for loss? You both went with the over. You were both right, and we had Nailed 12 it. glorious we, I mean, Seven sacks and 12 tackles for a loss. Truly a champion. I mean, I know it's Michigan State, but just the way this defense has played all year, it's a championship caliber. It's not defense. easy to, to, to be this like dominant on sacks and tackles for a loss. It's historically great. It's historically it really great. Is. And we outlined some statistics that, that outline how that is yeah. a fact, a, tr- it, a true fact. Uh, I mean, even outside of just watching it is fun. That is fun to see <laughs> your guys get in yeah. there and just yeah, tear. Playing playing base defense under Pry more so, where we do get some some sacks and and some ints here and there, but they're just not as frequent as we would hope. And the, the Manny Diaz defense is by far and away our, our favorite to watch from a chaos producing standpoint. Now it may not be the the consistent like defense at all times that like maybe some Tom Bradley defenses and and Brent Pride defenses have been but like you, splash plays in the you know turnover department sack department and the t- tackle for loss department that's how you like shift momentum well not only that but like l- look at all the shutouts man like you know look at look at what it's done on the scoreboard from a production standpoint, look what it's done on the stat sheet from a production standpoint. Like the chaos is not just for fun, although it's very fun. Even in our, even in our our losses, it's not like we were giving up a ton of points. It was just that our offense just couldn't keep up. And interestingly enough, in some of the seasons, uh, you know, prior to Manny Diaz, we like most of our production of some of these stats have come from like individuals only, you know, team wide. It it is. There's no one that, jumps off the page in terms of season-long stats it's like wow this guy's gonna win the nagurski or or you know bednarik awards like it, it is a full team defense i mean we have cornerbacks creating you yeah, know lots of plays that are just it's, it's yeah, Johnny well, Benson I just, is one of the the best yeah. uh cornerback rushers in the in the country yeah, let me just say real quick, um, talking about Manny and how fun it is to watch his defense. That's what I really want for the offense. I want a coordinator who's yeah. going to come in that's going to be fun to watch. You and need an offense much, that complements that style of defense. Even when right? Yursich was winning games, it just wasn't fun to watch his offense, you know, and I would love to have fun watching Penn State. I mean, I'd rather go down swinging, having fun than to like sneak by Northwestern. Well, contextually, <laughs> we know? we enjoyed last year a lot because of how bad our running game was prior to that. True. Very good. So point. we we enjoyed last year because of that perspective. 
you know, it was a completely different perspective of, of like what we were, ex- you know, our expectations were. So, so yeah, I, I, it makes total sense. We, but coming from that year last year, we're like, we're thinking how much better the run game is going to be this year. And it just didn't ever materialize. And then you still just didn't, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Andy. You need an offense to complement that defense. I, I, well, I'm with you. Um, we got a little off track. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, all we right. like so now, football. Joel, bring, us, bring us back. <laughs> our review. I mean, if you guys recall, we were really struggling. We weren't getting over a hundred points, pa- or a uh, hundred yards passing per game. Yeah. Uh, so I asked you, will we have more than a hundred and fifty passing yards? Andy, you went with the under. Tom with the Oy. over. We had three hundred and three. Yeah. I think with I think two hundred and ninety-two of those were uh, Aller. Allers. Aller. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like <laughs> yeah. we should have kept him in there for. Give him one more. Yeah, let him, let him well, break right? They kept Singleton in so he could get his 100 rushing yards. Uh, and yep. so it's, you know, but I get it. I get it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Missed it. Yeah. So <laughs> I win. So, I win that one. So now we got? Tom, Tom's up one point. Here's, here's for the, for the game this week. Yeah. Do we tie it and send it into overtime or does Tom take it over under on KLS having three and a half receptions? He had one. Well, so I so I I said under, and Andy said over, and I went under, thinking, and, and that was like counterintuitive to my over 150 passing yards because I was like, if we're well, gonna go I, over, I took the under as well. Like I took the opposite. <laughs> like right, like, <laughs> right. So, but, but oh, I took man. the over on 150 passing yards, and then as I'm answering this three and a half receptions for KLS, I'm like, I'm taking the under, but that's like, how are we gonna get 150 plus passing yards without KLS getting more than? You know, well, we did it. Also, <laughs> <You know, so, laughs> uh, I mean, so, yeah. It, it was, although we had a much better day passing, it's still concerning. It's still concerning. Yeah. Well, All right, well, but Tom hard, hard, takes hard the to win. Complain with 300 yards passing. Yeah, bro. Tom I win. Takes the win. It's oh, now. Andy it's six. Now it's a score. Tom five. Yeah. Andy six. Tom five. I Tom can tie the season. Life. I have life. I could tie the season. I'm up to figure out a tiebreaker. Li- t- tie we already later. have the tiebreaker. Oh, we, what is that? We, Joel had us do by the numbers for season long stats. Oh. Yep. And that's the tiebreaker. Oh, so awesome. if you win the bowl <laughs> game by the numbers, I literally we'll forgot revert, about that. <laughs> we have to revert to that. That's All right, awesome. Joel. Um, well, you know, so, typically we'd have you, um, you know, lead us through next games by the numbers, but we have no game coming up. Um, so I asked you to maybe to prepare some interesting statistics for us, some interesting numbers for us to think about, you know, now that the season is behind us. Um, what do you have for us, man? All right. Well, so this one, you, I believe you, uh, not in this episode, but you have talked about a little bit already. Um, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Fill in the blank. Coach Blank is one in six against AP top five teams. <laughs> yeah, we did just say that uh, that this the last episode, and uh, that would be Ryan Day. Yeah, um, so he has very much that that Franklin issue against the top five. However, do you know his uh, record against top ten teams? I don't, but I'm guessing it's better than Franklin's. His record against top ten teams, um, is he like three and thirteen? <laughs> no, ten and six. Oh, he's ten and six? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so all of his losses and maybe in the top Franklin 10 have been have been to teams in the top five. So he he's a Yeah, his CFP record. 
He's, he's like, like a, a half uh, notch above, above uh, Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can, he can, he can nail that six through 10, but really struggles with the one through five. Yeah. yeah. So hard anyway. to win teams that are better than you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to, to win, win those teams. You're not supposed teams. to win. Yeah. Right. All right. Now I'm going to throw out some, uh, some season long stats from this season. And I want okay. you to throw a, throw a stab at who that team is keeping in mind that we may be playing them before all is said and done this year. Got it. So a possible bowl game opponent is what these statistics will be showcasing. Yep. So we've got team number one, 34.1 points per game, 44.44% third down efficiency, 3,282 passing yards, 2,033 rush yards. Just, right. We're supposed to know which team that is just, based on just, those well, numbers. I'm going to ask you some questions about it. Um, so okay. to right. just that, 34.1 points per game, over 3,000 passing yards, over 2,000 rush yards. Team mm. two, 35.6 points per game, 48.7 on third down, 2,778 pass yards, 2,131 rush yards. So this is... 35.6 per game, uh-huh. under 3,000 pass yards, a little bit over 2,000 rush yards. If you, just looking at those numbers, who would you prefer to play? Hmm. Oh, yeah. What a great question. Okay. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I'm looking at what you've put down here too, Joel. Um, so, like, the team with the best yardage in passing um, is also the team with the lowest points per game. So, you know, do I do I want to face a team with a good passing attack but who can't get it into the end zone? Or do I want to face a team with a, a much more balanced attack between pass and run, but they're scoring, you know, three average three points per game more? Uh boy, this is this is tough. Just just one point per game more. That's well, it's tough. It's thirty four point one and thirty five point six. I was looking at look, the thirty seven point two look, point. He hasn't don't, mentioned don't, that line. Yeah, I haven't mentioned. Oh, that I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking ahead. Apologies. Listen to his words. <laughs> well, um, there's so well, many here, numbers. Here's, I'm what, here's what's interesting to me is like, you know, if I'm thinking about teams that Penn State might play, my my brain tells me. Um, Missouri, Alabama, um, Ole Miss, Tulane. All right. So, but, but like, it, you know, so within that, it's like, okay, if it's, or, or Texas, you know, if it's Texas, like the Big 12 has worse competition than, than the SEC. So, like, these, or if it's Tulane, it's like, okay, Tulane's playing whatever that conference is. Yeah. So, Tulane, right. Exactly. This is against a particular type of competition. Right. Uh, so, yeah. boy, so that, and that, I, I anticipated you guys saying this, and I will tell you oh, that oh. Bo- both <laughs> those two teams have many, Shared opponents. Ooh, okay, so these are SEC teams. That's what I. That's what my brain tells me. Um, so in that regard, um, the East is typically regarded as worse than the West. Um, I mean, I'm saying I, I'm saying that 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 34.1 is Alabama. I, I get. I guess what I'm saying. I I would I would prefer to face the 34.1 point per and game. And 35.6 is Missouri. Those are my guesses. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I, I would go with those that. Those are as good well. guesses, but you got to flip them. 
34.1 is Missouri with okay. a significantly more a significantly higher passing yardage. 35.6 is Alabama. Now I should have guessed that the passing yards. That's what I, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. If we look, and here's here's Penn State's. Penn State is 37.2, significantly wow. higher than uh, mm. than both of them. Where we are glaringly lower is our third down efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we have fewer passing yards, but we have a marginally more running yards than both of them. Yeah. So I just I felt like putting those numbers up there against two fairly likely bowl opponents is uh yeah. is interesting. I at least um, got the teams right. I like that. Yeah, well done. <laughs> I also I mean I'm not arrogant enough to say that I want Bama. So I I want <laughs> I want Missouri. Give me Missouri yeah, after Bama. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So so Missouri does you know, I think they are directly ahead of us in the polls. So to me, I want the team that get, you know, I get it. Joel Joel has been has professed in saying that he wants a team that we can win against. And and a team that we can win against in the SEC is no small feat, in my opinion. Even though Missouri's not a you know perennially premier team, they have had some good seasons over the years and they and they definitely have made some some big waves this year. They're a ten and two team. They are ranked ahead of us by one. I personally just want to know like since this season is quote unquote just like a a, a bit of a loss you know, when it comes to our big goals, we struck out on both of our, our big goals and struck out against both of the only teams that, you know, we haven't been beating as of late. Um, I want this team going into the offseason knowing what it will take to beat a team of the Alabama caliber. All right. Interesting. That, yeah. I want that experience ingrained into their brains going into the offseason. Even if they lose the game, they at least see. With their yeah, own it's eyes. It's different from losing, say, to like Arkansas or Kentucky. Right. You know, where it's like, eh, whatever. You know, we just really weren't trying that hard. And you go up against Alabama and you're like, You have a real wow, opportunity to we have really work to have, do. A, have a true measuring stick against a, yeah, a premier point. program against against not arguably the well, greatest that, coach in college football history. In that sense, you know, Washington would make a good uh, matchup, although they're coming and we'll play them next year, but it could I don't want to, I don't want to play a team in the offseason this year that we play. And the other team that I've been hearing about, um, you know, as a possible matchup would be Texas. And I think that would be a really exciting matchup. Yes. Um, I would like that as well. A one loss. Texas would be awesome. For yeah. Sure. I, no. to, to me, you know that I feel like it gets you that measuring stick without especially like a one the, loss, especially a one loss Big Twelve champion Texas. Yeah, that's well, that oh, would be yeah. a good way to to put a stamp on the end of your season. Uh, absolutely, especially in their home state of Texas, which is where the Cotton Bowl I think would possibly host. Well, that that's game. what I hate is like going into someone's backyard where you have to travel. I, mean, I for got the bowl. to do it against USC in two thousand. I know it's, 16, it's definitely a disadvantage, but anyway, what were you um, going to say, Joel? Now, I, I get your point there, Tom, with one, with preferring Alabama to Missouri. But as you had also said as a counterpoint, this is a huge offseason for Franklin to win. <laughs> yeah, you and don't want to get We want to take exposed. some momentum. <laughs> we want to take some momentum into that offseason. But off we season. had that momentum we don't get last year and by... the false hope last year, too. That, but, that bred but, the false hope going into last season. 
Like, oh, we we beat the Pac-12 champs but in to, Utah. To Joel's point, like if you fall on your worse. face to Alabama, you know, and and have a poor showing, then Listen, like to be the best, you got to beat the best, and to be able to, and you got to do it at some point. I mean, to, so, to, so I, give me more cracks yeah. at the at the at the you know, got to learn what it takes. Give me more swings with the axe against some of the best teams, and then you really start getting a feel for what it takes. Yeah, I'm. I, I think I got to go with Tom on this one. That's my. I think I got to go with Tom. That's my tag. Yeah. All right. Let's put it this uh, way: if it's Tulane, we will all be disgusted. And and, and it is a lose lose. It is a lose lose. We've already got the Memphis draw a couple years ago, right? You know, like let someone else have a crack at that group of five. Yeah. Anyway, um, Joel, anything else for us? So, speaking of good teams. It's it's pretty obvious that Georgia has the longest winning streak in the country. Uh, any idea how long that is? I mean, it's three years long, isn't it? Thirty games, two and a half, thirty games, thirty thirty wins in a row. Um, who is in second place with nineteen consecutive wins, and third place with seventeen consecutive wins? I mean, that's got to be Michigan in second, doesn't it? No, Michigan. No, because they lost in the CFP. Yeah. Oh, so this has got to be teams that didn't go to the playoff. Interesting. I um, actually knew this at one point, uh, like within the last couple of weeks. Um, oh boy, uh, is that going to be like one of the group of five teams? Nope. Hold uh, on. Two Hold power on. fives. Washington. Am I right? The Washington is one Washington, of them. Washington. Washington. Florida State. I thought that's that's interesting to have Washington coming into yep. our conference yep. on such a huge. Even if they lose in the CFP, yep. it's still riding a high, and that's, that's Washington be, and, and Florida State. Florida State. Florida State. That's right. Yeah. Florida yep. State. Now the Florida State surprise because they they went from the penthouse to the outhouse, and now they're back in the penthouse. Yeah, and we'll see if they the, can sustain once they get up against the uh, the yeah the elite the crop. Yeah. They, yeah. They've they been can, getting by in the skin. Of they their can survive the Louisville, right? Yeah. So like, it brought me to that, the discussion. Like, would you rather? Stay at this like ten and two, ten and two, ten and two, ten and two, or would you rather yeah, I mean, see a few seasons where you go like three and nine, and then twelve and zero? Yeah, the volatility of three and nine is not does not feel good. Um, no, no, it feels and, like Florida, it's an outlier. Florida State, Florida State it, did obviously win a national title. What in two thousand? Um, Winston eleven, eleven was it? Something like that. No, it was more recent than that. It was 12, 13? 12 or thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was with Jimbo um, and Jim Jimis Winston. Um, but you know they have been so down in the dumps since then that like. I get it. They're undefeated. It's the, and they've been on a tear. Um, and it's like you can forget all about. You can forget all your troubles. Forget all your cares. <laughs> um, it, but like to me, I you know I'd rather be the Georgia that you know oh, for yeah. a deck for that for a decade they couldn't get over ten or eleven wins out of a season. Couldn't win you know the national title, but they then made the correct move. Uh, and hiring Kirby Smart that got them over the top. And it even took Kirby Smart several years to get to this point where he's now obviously on a 30-game win streak, which is unbelievable. Um, but the, I would I would prefer to be on the cusp, you know, and, and, and at least be in the hunt every year. And then you're just like, okay, you know, at some point you just got to break through, right? You just got to. I'd rather, I think I'd rather be on the cusp. And, and I think your odds of getting over the hump are better if you've been, you know, 
at a, as a, at a, as at a consistently high level. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, yes, maybe if you go through the down in the dumps, like it, it, forces a like a reorganization and that kind of thing can teams kind of pull back out. I mean, even Clemson had some really dark years, some really bad years before, you know, Dabo worked his magic, but yeah, um, a while. Yeah, I mean, t- yeah, to me, I think you want to avoid the sharp downturn while you figure out a way to get up to the next level from that plateau. That's, that's what I would go for. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Now to piggyback onto this, do you guys know who holds the all-time record record for consecutive wins? Probably Nebraska. Uh, no. Okay, if it's, it's not Nebraska. Washington. Oh. It's Washington with 64. They yeah. also have the second place with 40. Okay, no when? University of Washington. When? I mean, it's they're old records, but How old? it's just <laughs> when I looked at that, when I saw that, I was just, oh, wow, Washington. The huh? Conference of Champions is no more. <laughs> That's true. All right. So we can forget all their troubles and forget all their cares. <laughs> you know, they got to come do it in the Big Ten now. And now that we are talking about conferences and conferences joining and realigning, uh, since 2017, the teams with the most wins but no conference titles. We have a team oh, with 61 yeah. wins, a team with 59, a team with 58, and a team with 56. Who do you think is that team with 61 wins, boys? Uh, well, I know, I know, I know. Shot in the dark. I, it's it's been regard. It's been talked about for the last couple seasons now that Franklin is the best. Of the rest <laughs> outside <laughs> of the correct. CFP. All right. Yep. So so we have 61 wins since 2017. No, uh, no conference title. That is the most followed by Oklahoma State. Then this is where I think it's kind of interesting. Iowa and Wisconsin at 58 and 56. So four of the teams that are the best of the rest uh, of the of the four that are the best of the rest, three of them come from the same conference. Three of them come from yeah. the Big Ten. What does that say about the Big Ten? Well, I think it's to me. Um, you know, I think it says a lot about Franklin, who's doing it in a conference division that is very difficult. You know, yeah. So, but you know, in the in the in the West, it's like you know somebody ha- hasn't figured out how to dominate that division at all you know um and and so you know wisconsin and iowa are the um recipients of playing in a bad division and and even they couldn't figure out how to dominate it to the level that that i I mean if you put penn state in that western division over the last 10 years we are the ohio state of that division clearly without a doubt yeah to yeah. me, I, I and I believe that we would, you know, have more wins. You know, I would say we'd probably have like ten more wins. Even that's just throwing the number out than than you know than we do now being in the East Division. Um, so it tells me that the West is very easy. It tells me the East is very hard, and it tells me that Franklin is definitely playing second fiddle to the best of our division. Third fiddle, that, really. <laughs> that's yeah, third fiddle, third string. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that that is all I've got for you, boys. I just uh, I'm I'm excited for a bowl matchup as long as it's not a group of two lane. Two lane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it it shouldn't even. I'm sorry. Like like the fact that a group of five can uh, they they shouldn't be allowed in. 
They shouldn't be allowed into well, the New York not, Six. Not without they, being a, a, a legitimate, like, you know, when uh, Cincinnati came in, you know, and Utah came in, like, they had legit great teams. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure Tulane's there. And, like, last year when Tulane beat USC, I don't think anyone thought, oh, wow, Tulane, they really are that good. It was think, really more of like USC kind of just didn't show up. Phoned it in for sure. Well, it's a Absolutely. Lose, lose it was a great for- It was a great game. Yeah, and USC was a, a lose loser <laughs> in that game. <laughs> for sure. Like like yeah. that 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 game actually probably is uh indicative of of how USC phoned it in once their big goals were off the table for them this year, you know? Like they they didn't come to play football and win against Tulane, and that's they lost five games this year. They they lost what seven or five? They lost. What did they lose? They're eight and four, I think. Or are they seven no, and five? They're seven and five, and they oh, they geez. lost a bunch in a row. Yikes! Um, yeah, they're 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 it's so the point is lose lose. Correct, it is a lose lose. Now, if you do win it, I don't. I, I you know. Like when we beat Memphis, it wasn't like, well, that's annoying. I mean, it was a good game. It was we the enjoyed most beating the most yards we'd ever had in a bowl game ever. So yeah. that's why I didn't feel like a loss. But it also gave us false sense of accomplishment yeah, going absolutely. into the offseason. Well, that everything was COVID. Spi- Who everything knows? spiraled out after that. Who knows what would have happened yeah. if it weren't, you know, yeah. it's it's hard to draw conclusions based on that. But, you know, it's not like losing is automatically like, the worst thing that can happen, but it just doesn't feel nearly as rewarding as like winning the Rose Bowl against the Pac-12 champion. Correct. You know? Agreed. So, um, well, Joel, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you sharing some of those numbers with us, and uh, we'll look forward to having you back um, as we approach the bowl game, whatever it is, and and um, see see if Tom's going to get that sixth win to to kick off the tiebreaker, or if I can uh, win it outright. Um, I'm but until making then, man, a comeback. Yeah, <laughs> until then uh, until then bro uh, th- and nice to have you with us Joel talk to you fellas soon well bro I thought we would conclude just by taking a look at those conference championship games of course we wish we were playing in it and had we beaten Michigan we would be playing in it um, as it is we're going to have a nice low stress conference championship weekend um, and I thought we'd just uh, share some thoughts about those games uh, as we uh, conclude here and um, the, the first game actually is going to be played on Friday December 1st and um, it's going to be at 8pm um, that's an Eastern time all these times will be Eastern just so everyone can uh, sit their watches appropriately based on your time zone uh, but the Pac-12 championship game 8pm on Friday and that's going to pit number five Oregon versus number three Washington in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. It's going to be on ABC. Um, bro, what do you think about that matchup, Oregon versus Washington? Well, so <laughs> it's a rematch, obviously. Obviously. Um, you know, Oregon's actually favored in this game, I think, by, Are like, they really? by like three points or something like that. Maybe maybe more. Um which is crazy because you know obviously Washington did beat them, but Washington beat them in at Oregon in that game, if I remember correctly. No, I, that was in Washington. Was it? Yeah, it was okay. at Washington. I well, that's probably why then they you know and it was a very close game. I think it was like a very three, three or game. four point game at the end there. Um, and I guess that's why they're saying on neutral turf um, down there in Las Vegas that that they they're favoring Oregon. They think Bo Nix is gonna give you know Penix and Washington the, their first loss of the season. Now Washington has almost lost several games this year. That's um, true. There have been a couple 
pretty close but, ones. You know, the best teams find ways to win. I I don't know who I'm picking in this game. I know it's gonna be a great game. Um, it's it's you know interesting that it'll be the last time these teams face off. You know, in in Pac-12. Do you think the Pac-12 champion will get slotted into the yeah. uh, final four? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I yeah, think so I, I definitely do. I, even if Oregon does it, I think Oregon will because they're only losses to the team that they're just about to beat, and and that's a top four team. Yeah, so I, I, agree. I, I don't think you can hold out the Pac-12 champion. It's been a very, it's been a ruthless conference this year, um, and a lot of high high profile games and high profile players. Uh, it should be a great game. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that one. To I'm happy they have the, you know a day, an evening all to themselves for that. It's, it's like I, I, uh, the Pac-12 actually posted their own video obituary um, over. The, yeah, really? like like sometime either on Saturday or something like that. Wow. Um, and and that's just this is this is it. This is can they bring a national title to the conference before? I mean, how it all ironically stupid would that be? It, you know, if the, yeah, the, the conference, conference falls apart. I mean, it's been a historically great season for the Pac-12. You know, and if they ended up, you know, one of their teams ended up winning the whole thing. Like, uh, I mean, that's just you know, shame on you, college football. You know, for letting that happen, that's terrible. Anyway, I mean, it's all it's all thanks to the former uh, commissioner over there be- uh, prior to George Klyovkov uh, taking over. I mean, the Pac-12 channel was a was a major disaster. Bungle. What was the major what was bungle. the what was the guy's name that was? Do you remember what his name was prior to no uh, Klyovkov or no? It's Klyovkov now. Uh, uh, yeah. I can't remember who. It's it, it doesn't matter. It does matter because he's the guy that that ran the Pac-12 into the ground, and then Klyovkov had to try his best to keep it together, and, and there was too little, too late, and not enough. Um, you know, there wasn't money. Well, in in any case, uh, Pac-12 Pac-12 going out in a blaze of glory. I almost hope um, they do win the national title. One of those I, two I would, teams. I would. Certainly and and, take and they're it. coming into the 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 Big Ten or whatever it's going to be called moving forward. Coming into the Big Ten with with a lot of you know um, fanfare. Yeah, for, for all of the great research universities, they're having trouble with counting. Well, and calling both, it the Big right, Ten, right? Well, and and the um, the interesting thing is both these coaches of these universities were rumored to be at least targets for the Texas A and M job, and neither of them, you know, gave a crap. And they're just like, yeah, yeah. no, we're going to the Big Ten, buddy. Nice try. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on to the Saturday slate of games. Um, we've got uh, a Power Five. Conference championship game starting at noon. Uh, that's the Big 12 game, uh, number 19 Oklahoma State versus number seven Texas, playing at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. That's going to be on ABC, and um, yeah, should be kind of interesting possibilities of Texas maybe sneaking in if they can win. Um, but a lot of things would have to fall right for that to happen. Uh, I don't know what the stakes are for this game or even who I'm rooting for and whether it would make a difference for Penn State. But what do you think about that game, bro, the Big 12 game? I mean, barring whatever it makes the most sense for Penn State to get the best you know, slot for a, a postseason game. I, I would. I'm an Oklahoma State fan. I don't yeah. want. I want to see Texas and Oklahoma go out as losers before they leave for the SEC. So that 100% way, agree. So that way, you know, when, once they get to the SEC, you know, they're they're not rem, remotely near the top of the pecking order, and they're just like another team in the conference, and and they're not vying for for 
you know, SEC titles and they're not vying for national titles. Uh, so I'm happy to see Oklahoma State with the upset here. Happy, happy to see it. I don't care what it does to Penn State's chances one way or the other. Penn State's going to f- finish the regular season um, as a top 10 team regardless. Uh, so let's get Texas a- Texas out of the way. It'd be a two-loss Texas team to yeah. a, 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 a number 19 Oklahoma State. Yeah, get them out. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of one-loss teams that are hoping to get into the uh, playoff, and the SEC championship game, that's going to be 4 o'clock on uh, CBS. Number one, Georgia, playing number eight, Alabama. The two heavyweights finally going at it in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Atlanta. Um, you know, Alabama's hoping to win this game and get into the CFP. Um, that would be bad for Penn State, I think, because um, that would put Georgia as another... Uh, you know, one loss team and possibly have two SEC teams and knock a Big Ten team down the pecking order. And yeah, it might be really Georgia uh, winning could also help Ohio State getting in. And you know, so, yeah, so I, you know. <laughs> oh, flip of a coin there. I, I don't. I don't. Or, or maybe. Or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Maybe Alabama winning helps Ohio State because it gets Georgia out of there. I don't know. Um, but but even a one loss Georgia team might still make the playoff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So so I don't. I don't know. I mean, but but also you know we'll get well, the next game you're going to highlight here is the the Michigan Iowa game. Could Michigan lose this game and still make the playoff? Oh, could they? I don't know. I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean Georgia losing it and still making it like the then Alabama and Georgia making it is more likely than Michigan losing to Iowa. Now I'm not well, saying number Michigan's seventeen game. Iowa like that losing that to number could, seventeen Iowa that would be very a stain. Well. A yeah, big so, stain. So that bit, you jumped the gun a little bit. That Big Ten game is uh, at eight p.m. on Saturday. Um, it's going to be at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, uh, where it's been played. You know, I think. You know, as long as they've had that game, and then um, Fox is going to be broadcasting, of course. Um, oh, Fox broadcasts a good game. Oh we God. really love Fox broadcast. Looking forward to another Gus and Joel special. Oh, just um, we didn't even talk about that, but like that. I mean, I think I think what I'm looking for is I'm thinking I'm looking for Michigan to. I I don't see any way Iowa wins this game, but I think Michigan. You look for them to win, go into the college football playoff, and have a miserable first game in the college football playoff. I will have not another. be sad if Iowa beats Michigan. No, I don't. I mean, it's hard to be sad. Again, like if if things turn so that Penn State gets knocked out of the New York Six, I, I would not be interested in going to Orlando, for example. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, too many capital. You know, other one than bowls. that, let chaos reign for all I care. Yeah, yeah. If we can remain in the New York Six uh, mix, whatever chaos is good, I'm I'm all for. That's for sure. Uh, what's interesting about the you know every other uh, every other major conference championship game is being played in a time slot all of its own 8 p.m. on Friday for the Pac-12 championship noon on Saturday for the Big 12 championship 4 p.m. on Saturday for the SEC championship 8 p.m. for the Big 10 championship is being shared with the ACC time slot at 8 p.m. How silly is that? Goodness. I don't don't know how the Big 10 allows that, but it it just, that is sad. Well, ABC kind of sucks up all the oxygen with all all of those spots. ABC has that ACC championship Uh, game. Fox has done no favors to, to, to the Big 10 
yeah, and and, totally. and how they do the, the noon kickoff for their biggest games. You know, you, you if I'm Fox, why wouldn't I want that Michigan Penn State game to be played at night for a whiteout, which then draws Seriously. more eyes? Very so stupid silly. of them. I don't. I, very stupid. So in any case, uh, last one um, of the bunch, the ACC championship game. Uh, Number 15, I'm going AP poll rankings, by the way. Louisville was 10. They just dropped it. And the AP, they're 15. They might be rated slightly differently in the CFP poll. But number 15, Louisville versus number four, Florida State at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. By the way, this is the only championship game being played outdoors. Um, (laughs) That's hysterical. Isn't that funny? Um, Yeah, what do you think about that game, bro? I'm thinking that it's the... I mean, it's one that Florida State could lose. You know, I I, I think Louisville um, comes in angry about a loss, probably. Angry that they, they you know, because if they had won that game against Kentucky, this ACC championship game means they could be playing for a CFP spot, you know, to unseat number four Florida State as a one-loss team, beating an undefeated team that's a top-four team. Louisville had a lot in the line going into that Kentucky game, and they 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 botched it. But at least Louisville can potentially play spoiler to an undefeated rival and a team without their starting quarterback. You know, obviously Travis, um, oh, what's his name, Jordan Travis, uh, was out with that gruesome injury from two weeks ago, and they're playing with a backup. Um, Florida State had a, had better players than Florida to be able to overcome I definitely, Florida. I wonder I if they, that. I wonder if Florida State has a similar roster compared to Louisville, and if if Louis, can Louisville, uh, you know, pull the upset? I don't know. I don't know. What I definitely think that that eight p.m. slot um, that the ACC game is more competitive, likely than the Big Ten game. Um, I probably will be watching the Big Ten game if I'm watching any, just because of whatever. But if if the Big Ten game gets out of hand, like it has in years past, oh, it probably um, you will. You know, I'll probably probably flip over. Uh, you know, I think as I'm thinking about rooting interest, here's what I'm going to say. I think you want the top four to stay stable. So you want your top four teams that are playing in a championship game to win. And then I think um, the the teams that are um, number eight and number seven, that's Alabama and Texas, you want them to lose so that Penn State has a chance to maybe slot in above them at, at, at the final ranking. And you definitely don't want a number 15 Louisville or a number 17 Iowa to be two lost teams that beat a top-ranked team and jump above Penn State. I don't so, see Iowa jumping Penn State at all, no matter what happens. We beat them 31 to nothing. Yeah, I'm sorry, but just you're not going to see in it. the in a neutral site. They beat the number two I don't, team I, in the country. I don't, I don't, I don't see it's, it being possible. I mean, and then Louisville beating number four Florida Let's State. Let's put it this way: if Iowa beats Michigan, it won't be because of their offense. All right, right. Right. So they won't like show some sort of new thing that will make them look like a better all-around team than Penn State. They just won't. We beat them head to head, thirty-one to nothing. They were a no-show in that game. As But again, these are a bunch of suits that sit in a room who do things that are inexplicable. I'm just saying you you want those those lower-ranked two-loss teams not to have a chance to hop up above us, and you want those one-loss teams that are Head-to-head uh, head with the same record. I, I don't care, what, I, I'm I don't just care saying, what you call it. I'm just saying. You know, it, it um, happened on the look, field. If, if Iowa gives Michigan an embarrassing loss, I, I would be happy I'm with that. I'm fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> but I, I'm listen, not sure that it's, Iowa that has it's great for Penn State. A loss to us, and then their other loss is to Minnesota. 
Minnesota, <laughs> who lost to who lost the game to Wisconsin was this past to week. Ten. Yeah, amazing. Come on, Andy. Yeah, like well, I'm look, sorry, um, you can't put you can't pull that Minnesota hey, loss over Penn. I mean, State. I don't imagine if Iowa was one loss right now. Their only loss was to us. How weird would that be? Now that that's a, then you'd have an argument for them being ahead of us. Anyway, well, if they look, beat Michigan, that is, it should be an interesting weekend of college football, even though Penn State's not playing. Maybe it makes it more fun because we're just uh, in it just for uh, for spite and you know rooting interests, and you know we're for just spite. not. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like a Seinfeld episode. What, what, sir, what are you returning this jacket for? Uh, for spite. They're like, excuse me? Uh, yeah, the salesman who sold it to me. I, I don't like him. Uh, <laughs> I don't really care for him. That, I mean, there's definitely some rooting for spite in this, uh, a in this uh, weekend spite. coming up. Uh, man, well, anyway, that'll do it for us. Um, it's very likely, Tom and I haven't uh, put all of our plans together. It's very likely that next week we will have another podcast where we review the championship week results, um, talk about our bowl matchup. I think that's going to be released on Sunday night. Uh, we'll share any team news, of, for example, an offensive coordinator hire or transfer portal announcements or things like that. And then, um, you know, leading up to the bowl, as I've already said, um, we will probably have one or two episodes between Christmas and New Year's. Um, we would like to do a season and review. We'll probably do that at that time and then uh, preview our bowl opponent. And then following the bowl game, we'll review the the game itself and talk about the future of the program. Uh, so again, probably another five, four, maybe or so episodes between now and the, the new year. Um, so uh, looking forward to being with you through those things. Of course, uh, the the bulk of December will be taking a little bit of a break, um, but whenever we get a chance to uh, you know, have another episode, uh, I want to remind you to subscribe and follow, share with your Penn State friends, write a review, give us a rating. We'd love to answer a few mailbag questions over the next month or so. So send an email to blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Until then, it always starts with I love you. And it always ends with I love you. We are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 